0: Let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no back checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. B-b-b- Betty and the chats. She's weird and wonderful. Oh Betty, she's a podcast queen.
1: Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about giant faces, cracks, pageants, dummies, India, poop, a dolphin, beasts, and beaks. (laughs) Let's get on with the show. So I could have gone my whole life without knowing that I had a giant freaking face. I ha- I guess I have a giant face. <laughs> a giant freaking face because <laughs> the masks, the normal masks, they're the ones that we have on the plane, the surgical ones, the blue ones. Well, it pushes on my nose and pulls on my ears because I guess I have a big nose and a giant freaking face. So I got some... I kept buying them different places and I got some at Home Depot and they actually have like some extra room for your nose, but there's too much room, so I kind of have a beak. I'm at work. I always like to dress nice, have my hair done nice, and now I'm at work with a beak. <laughs> And then in Paris, you're not even allowed to wear the Home Depot beak mask. You have to wear the surgical ones, which are too small for me. And actually, they're different. They must have different batches because sometimes they're not nearly as small as some other ones. But anyway, in Paris, we have to go around the plane and give everybody the surgical one if they have any other cloth one. Because in Paris, you're required to have the surgical one. And then I want to raise my hand like a passenger and say, I need a seatbelt extension for my mask. Well, I took a little trip, you know, uh, for those of you who listen a long times, I take usually a big exotic trip every November. And, uh, this year it was kind of like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I mean, there aren't even that many places we're allowed to go. And I also didn't want to be, uh, reckless. So, uh, I went to the Turks and Caicos and it was beautiful. I've been to a lot of places in the Caribbean and I've never been there. And I was, um, pretty careful, uh, the whole time in that, uh, I figured it really wasn't that dangerous if I was going to spend time by myself here in South Carolina or in the Caribbean. And I basically, I only ate out like breakfast. Uh, I had a full kitchen. So, um, and when I ate out breakfast, I ate outside. So anyway, I was, I was relatively, um, careful and non-reckless. And I was eating out my one meal a day outside for breakfast. And you have this beautiful view of that uh, just unbelievably blue water. I mean, it's really fantastic. It reminded me of the Cook Islands. It was so pretty. And, um, and I'm having breakfast and I'm, I'm very pleased with life. <laughs> and then I notice the guy sitting in front of me, his, uh, his ass crack is completely exposed in his chair. Like, I don't know uh, if he didn't have underwear on. I don't know how you don't notice that uh, your ass is uh, on display. <laughs> so I got off my camera and I took a picture. I mean, it was a hairy ass crack. And um, I put it on Instagram and said, uh, not my preferred breakfast view. And so guess what? I had posted pictures of, I saw uh a famous dolphin. While I was there, Jojo, I turtles, beautiful views. But the most popular picture from my trip on the Turks and Caicos was that hairy ass. <laughs> so that guy was at breakfast the next day, and uh, he had on different underwear, so only like half the ass crack was showing. I didn't take another picture, but I was tempted. Like I, I was like, should I say to him, "Hey, you're a hit." on Instagram your ass is a hit <laughs> I didn't tell
0: it's down to the final three contestants in the Miss Flight Attendant pageant oh okay Miss Delta Miss British Airways and Miss Pan Am so they're going to judge a girl's second runner-up first runner-up and winner by the way that they answer the final question so they take all three girls off stage you bring Miss Delta Miss Delta here's your question You've just been shipwrecked on a desert island. The only problem is it's filled with these aborigine men with raging hard arms. What do you do? Well, she whips out her fan like Scarlett Harris. Says, I do declare I'll be in the <laughs> fine southern woman that I am. I would feed myself to the sharks before I'd suffer that. you' like, okay, good answer. Off she goes. Miss <laughs> British Airways comes on, Miss British Airways just been shipwrecked on a desert island. The only problem is it's filled with these aborigine men with raging hearts. What do you do? Well, I don't know exactly. I guess I'd find myself the biggest and the strongest of them, and I'd submit myself only to him, and he'd protect me from all the others. Ah, oh, wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> Off she goes. Miss Pan Am comes on. Miss Pan Am, you've just been shipwrecked on a desert island. The only problem is it's filled with these aborigine men with raging hard arms. What do you do? Uh, I understand the question, but I don't see the problem.
1: We were flying back from Europe and all of us on our crew noticed these men when they were boarding. And, you know, we're trained to be situationally aware. We're, like, trained to recognize threats. And when all of us notice something, we we pay attention. These men, there were six of them, they all had shaved heads with... It's hard to describe, but angry red tattoos on their shaved heads. And they weren't sitting together even though they knew each other, which is one of the things we notice. It's suspicious. We all decided to keep our eye on them. You know, um, they hadn't been doing anything wrong, but we were just, our spidey sense was up. And so at work, we have a phone with the passenger names and where they're going to. And one of the flight attendants was like, well, let's see if they're all going to the same destination. Because they were all sitting at different places all over the plane. And so I discreetly walked around the plane, writing down their seat numbers. And uh, they were all in seats they weren't assigned to. So we couldn't see who they were. So we all thought that that was a little suspicious. So... Another flight attendant noticed that the red head tattoos were different shapes. And so she took out a napkin and she drew them on it. On the, she's like, one's like this and one's like this. And we were just all curious and aware, but they hadn't done anything wrong. So we take off and uh, we do the meal and beverage service. And we get to the back galley and I said, uh, I don't think they're terrorists because... They're really nice. So if they're terrorists, they're the sweetest terrorists ever. And another flight attendant said, she said, well, I think maybe it's a cult thing. And she was like, because, you know, I was looking, we were all noticing these weird patterns of this red angry tattoo on their bald heads. So, uh, later, uh, one of the guys who sat across from this really sweet Southern flight attendant, uh, he was sitting across from her jump seat and he said to her, um, she's very approachable. And he said, Oh, I'm exhausted. And she said, Oh, you want some coffee? And he said, uh, no, I can't have any coffee and paused. And then she was thinking, why can't you have coffee? And then he said, uh, I just had a hair transplant in Turkey and I can't have coffee or lay down, and that's why I'm so tired. I have to sit up, and it was like, aha! <laughs> the tattoos were hair transplants and they were red because it was blood, <laughs> and they were different shapes because of different hair loss patterns. <laughs> The super sweet southern flight attendant plopped down an empty seat next to him and asked him a bunch of questions. And uh, he was saying that Turkey has this fabulous hair transplant program that's like one-tenth the cost in the USA. And it includes your flights and the hotel. So it's like a package deal. And the men had met at the hotel. So they weren't terrorists. They weren't cult members. But they were just nice, sweet, balding men. So I've been enjoying the big pools at my new place. I like to swim. It's just about to close for the season, but I've gotten to know the swimmers because you see the same people who like to swim laps. And there's this, um, I don't want to say fat, let's say a rather large lady who swims a lot of laps. And um, this, I'm sure, well-meaning man said to her, uh, you're a beast. And she was like, what? And he's like you're a beast and then she was about to i think she was about to get in a fight and he goes because of all look at you swim so many laps and i i almost wanted to say to the guy uh, i'm sure he meant well but uh it's best not to call a large lady a beast so in general away. I want to thank any of you who are so kind when you're going to buy something on Amazon and it's kind of like the season of buying. (laughs) You went to my website, bettyinthesky.com. It doesn't cost you any more. It supports the show. And I like to see what people buy. And this past month, somebody bought Spitfire, the plane that saved the world. Somebody else bought uh, Twister, the party game. Didn't know people were still playing Twister. And Dolly Parton song teller my life in lyrics and just in case you're looking for other gift ideas <laughs> you can think of my uh fictional books the tar collection and also um betty in the sky with the suitcase or betty in the jets and there's also some fun stuff on patreon which at i'm at betty in the sky thank you so much
0: i'm so far away. Okay, so. My
1: supervisor came back on the line after
0: being in the office for a while and he used a line which I have not used in years and I thought it was so great. The pilots made a really hard landing right. and he got on the PA and he said, ladies and gentlemen we'd like to apologize for that landing it wasn't the pilot's fault, it wasn't the flight attendant's fault it was the asphalt." fault <laughs>
1: So on my recent trip to the Turks and Caicos, I took a taxi to the reef because where I was staying, there wasn't any snorkeling from the beach. And um, uh, after swimming and I walked and I saw this fancy hotel and uh, I thought, well, stop and uh, get a beverage. So the guard stopped me and I told him, oh, um, I'm just going to buy a drink. And he said, do you have a flag? I said, uh He goes, where's your flag? And I'm thinking, flag? What, 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 what kind of flag? It was like a COVID-free flag? And <laughs> I said, uh, I I don't have a flag. I'm thinking that's the last thing. What do I have a flag for? And then a guest at the hotel explained that if you're staying at the hotel, they give you a flag at the beach so that the waiter will come and get your order. And he must have thought I was staying at the hotel, but I wasn't and I didn't have a flag. Okay, so someone had a good answer?
0: Yes, they said, what are we flying over? And the response is, your luggage.
1: In the last episode, I read from my journal from my very first big international trip in April of 1998, and I asked the listeners to tell me if they liked it or not because I wasn't sure if it was too personal or if it was too old, but uh, I like it because it's kind of like looking back in time at like at the old young me who hadn't done much traveling, and uh, from everybody I heard from, they liked it, so here's the second installment from my trip to India. They woke us for tea and cookies at 5:45 a.m. and then off we went to my very first ever safari. We didn't see any tigers, but we really weren't expecting to considering the falling numbers of wild tigers anywhere in the world. We did see tons of monkeys, peacocks, deer, and wild elephants. I really enjoyed the wildlife part of the trip. We headed back to Delhi by unconditioned taxi another mistake. These car drives are scary, dirty, and exhausting. At one point, we were stopped in traffic, and we asked the driver why we were stopped, and he replied, murder. Well, that's comforting. Not two minutes later, six men put a big stick in front of our car. Small panic attack, but all was fine. Our driver even took a detour to get around the murder, which turned out to be another name for a car accident with a fatality. We arrived at the Hyatt totally ragged and exhausted and looking the part. It was thrilling to be in an establishment with hot water, phones that worked, and coffee. This proved to be another oasis for us. It's interesting to note how everything is so relative to your circumstances. Normally, a hotel chain wouldn't be so appealing, let alone a hotel restaurant. But we reveled in the shower and went to eat. I stupidly ordered Indian food without realizing how tired I had become of it. My one friend ordered mixed grill, which turned out to be chicken and steak, raw on a hot stone. (laughs) Now off to Rajasthan, we took Jet Airlines flight, heaven compared to our other means of travel, to Jaipur, and then a taxi to the Rampage Palace, which got rave- reviews in our travel books. We had seen numerous articles about the sumptuous palace and fort hotels of Rajasthan. The first palace was a letdown. It was run down and cold and depressing, so we got back in the taxi to try the Samode Havali. This would turn out to be my favorite hotel, a lovely old mansion with so much charm. We stayed in this yellow, charming room the first night, then switched to a mirrored, jeweled suite that was unbelievable. Every inch of this place exuded beauty of the old world. However, just outside this oasis was filth, poverty, and scary sights. Lots of people were telling us that the odds of seeing a wild tiger were very good at the Rathambore National Park, but we decided against Udaipur to take a small trip to the palace and then the next day go to Rathambore. This way, my friend's birthday was less of a travel day, which is something we were starting to seriously dislike. We arrived at the Samode Palace with awe. It was a famous big palace with sumptuous rooms. Interestingly enough, our palace rooms ran about $60 a night, divided by three. $20 a night! And some of our horrible hotels were much more expensive than that. But the Samode Bog, which means garden and pool, was three kilometers away. So we decided to take a camel ride to the pool. I've taken to riding a lot of strange animals on this trip—camels, elephants, and the like. It's a little crazy for a city girl. The two camels looked exotic and tame. My one friend is afraid of heights, so she wanted to be on the camel with the two people, and since it was my other friend's birthday, we thought she should have her own camel. Camel innocent that I am, I foolishly thought it was going to be a docile, friendly creature and just got on without any hesitation. It was about halfway up when this camel stood up and tried to Buck me off, it's back, and roared like a dinosaur. Literally, I had to hold on like I was on a rodeo on a bull. I almost fell off on both sides as I as I started to hyperventilate. Well, the camel guy finally calmed the camel down, but you should have seen my friend who's afraid face. She was saying, there's no way I'm getting on that camel. <laughs> and I was also spooked. So she kept saying that uh, she wasn't getting on any camel and she's going to take a taxi to the pool. But my other friend talked her into it and we headed off to the pool. After that initial bucking, the camel ride was quite pleasant. The Samod Bog was a magical, lovely spot to behold. A bog is a garden, so the Samod Bog gets the Samod Palace's garden. This garden was definitely fit for a king or a birthday girl, for that matter. There were lots of flowers and a beautiful pool. We took a dip in the pool, but almost as soon as we got in, we noticed monkeys in the field. We got out of the pool to look at them. And then they came closer to look at us. We got back in the pool and they came to watch and they watched us from the walls around the pool and the trees overhead with peacocks singing in the distance. Monkeys watching. It was just a magical moment. The beautiful old walls and the mosaic tiled pool and the exotic animals made for, a, made for a wonderful evening, perfect for the birthday girl. We arrived back at the palace, which was all lit up with tiny white lights, and we had our birthday dinner out on the terrace candlelight. So now we were headed for the Rathambore National Park, which is a six-hour drive, finding a nice room proved difficult. The first place was $200 a night, but was cold and depressing. The next was downright scary. So we settled for Tiger Moon Lodge, a sort of camp-like group of cabins. They gave us two rooms, which was nice, but there were tons of bugs, including scorpions and a scary bathroom. But that was all there was, so what are you going to do? So we set up safaris for the next day and sat out on our porch. This group of what looked like wild dogs came up and scared us. And they were actually nipping at my friend's legs. Scary because our doctor had told us that 90% of animals were rabbit in India. So rabbit dogs and scorpions made us decide to stay only one night and take the night train to Delhi after our two safaris. This was probably a mistake since Rothenburg turned out to be fantastic and no one was bit by a dog or a scorpion. But getting back, we went to dinner at the questionable dining room and met up with three guys. There were a total of five other guests in the whole place. Two were rugged Dutchmen and a famous Japanese photographer who was there to photograph the tigers. The two Dutch guys invited us for a beer and we sat by the pool and chatted. The older one was a typical, slightly pot-bellied, red-faced chap but the other was a doozy. He looked like a wannabe action hero with cropped hair and a uniform like attire. He told us he was a World Wildlife Fund traffic enforcer. He was very arrogant and evasive, and who knows if he was fibbing or not. He did cut, sort of a dashing figure with pretty eyes and full lips, and they were all good company. Eddie, the sweet hotel worker, woke us at 5.30 a.m. and was off to a safari. Rathambor National Park is very impressive, not only for its good tiger-seeing percentages, but because it also has a thousand-year-old fort. The walls of the fort make an exotic backdrop for the flora and fauna. This park had peacocks, deer, and monkeys. After about two and a half hours, we were starting to feel as if we weren't going to see a tiger. But right as our spirits were getting down, lo and behold, a tigress. She was resting in the shade by a ruin, and all that was visible was her round, beautiful face. We had to stand on the jeep's roll bars to see her, but she sat there for maybe ten minutes before she got up and walked away. The walk of the tigress was regal and commanding. Unfortunately, the viewing was rather short. The heat in Rajasthan in May is oppressive and can sort of take away from the fun. The afternoon jeep ride was uneventful, although I still enjoyed being outside and driving through a rather enchanting forest. Sometimes we would drive near a bush and hundreds of butterflies would spring to flight. Beautiful! On our way to our next adventure, the night train to Delhi. Who in their right mind takes a train at night in India? Well, I suppose I do. (laughs) The wait for the train was nightmarish, and once again, I wondered what I was doing there. I
2: was the lead on a flight to LaGuardia from Atlanta, and was told that our president of the company would be on the flight in first class, and I was going to go over and introduce myself as the lead, but he was kind of in the corner doing his work, so I didn't bother him, so I got on the airplane, we proceeded to start boarding, he came on, he sat in a seat, I greeted him, and we're getting close to departure, and the agent brings down a gentleman in a wheelchair with a caregiver, and the gentleman is blind, so the agent lets them get on, and the caregiver, instead of taking the gentleman to his seat, I took him to his seat, and she came behind me, I sat him down, and his helper sat down, they got comfortable, and before I turned around and walked away she said oh he needs to go to the bathroom well this is an MD 88 so the bathrooms in the front so I said sure so I take the gentleman by the arm says blind man up to the front into the bathroom and the agent comes on and says I need to shut the door I said well I have a gentleman that is blind in the bathroom it's gonna be just a second right so he's in the bathroom and about five minutes goes by the agents really getting frustrated I go back to tell the giver, would you mind coming up to look and see what's going on with the gentleman that's in the bathroom. And so she does, she comes up to the front and she proceeds to bang on the door and scream, Marvin, are you okay, Marvin? So Marvin yells back, yes. So she turns around and goes back to her seat and sits down. So, okay, another couple of minutes go by, the agent's really getting frustrated. She has our president on the first class seat waiting to go to his meeting in New York and we're running behind. She says, I need to shut the door. So I knocked on the door and I said, sir, are you okay? Well, he opens the door and before I could think, he hands me a wet gray Depends. So I'm standing there with the Depends. President of the company's looking at me. I'm looking at him. I turned around, went to the galley, dumped it in the trash, went back and told the caregiver, can you please come and help the gentleman out of the bathroom now he's ready? So she does, she comes and gets him, sits him down. I went, walked back to the front, the agent says, can we shut the door now? And I said, no, give me one second. I went in the bathroom, shut the door. I wanted to scream, but I didn't. I washed my hands really good, came out, shut the door, looked at the agent and said, okay, now you can shut the door, and off we went. So I figured some, sometime during the flight, I would have a conversation with our president. And before I could, he came to the galley oh. and he complimented me on how I handled that situation that he just was very, very... Um, Impressed? Impressed with that, I did not freak out. And but anyway, so I yeah, that's, it was a Marvin. Yeah, Marvin, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
1: it depends. It depends. So I'm at this hotel, and I've been there before, and there were lots of restaurants around. Um, but you know, with the coronavirus, things are fluid. <laughs> So I go walking around because I was going to get something to go and everything was closed. So the hotel had uh, not room service, but you could order food and you could take it to go. But um, so I I thought, well, that's my option. So there I went. And uh, the where I placed my order, she said, well, it's going to take a while because I'm taking orders and I'm cooking the food. And it's like okay. And they had places to sit, not like six feet apart, but 10 feet apart. And it's like, all right. I ordered a glass of wine and uh, just settled in. And there was a guy sitting at the chair 10 feet away. And you know me, I'm friendly. We started talking about various subjects, mainly about his family. And uh, he says, now at this point, I don't know his name. He doesn't know my name. He says do you want to go upstairs and have protected sex? And I said, what? I didn't know if I actually heard him right. And uh, he said it again. And I said, uh, what? No. And I was thinking, what? And he said, I said protected sex. And I'm like, yeah, uh, no. And um, then he says, well, I guarantee you'll have a good time. And I'm like, yeah, still no. <laughs> I was like, what? I know, maybe people do that? Uh, I don't. Um, And actually, people don't usually say things like that to me. And then I was telling the flight attendants in the lounge this story, and they were like, uh, well, you should have said, uh, what took you so long? I was just waiting for you to ask. (laughs) Or somebody else said, uh, well, how do you exactly have protected sex with a complete stranger during a pandemic? You have sex six feet apart? I was on the podcast called No Blackout Dates, and here's a little snippet of their podcast in case you want to listen to me on it.
2: We're now boarding all passengers on No Blackout Dates Airlines. All aboard No Blackout Dates to... Wait, where the hell are we going?
0: No Blackout Dates Zero Blackout Dates. Good to see you. Good to see you. I know nothing, nothing, really, and truly, all day long, like several 11.
3: Those two flight attendants just disappeared downstairs.
1: They're going to hook up. And the captain has his pants down and is is mooning for the camera.
3: She knew you were gonna try and tie her up, so she was getting ready to counter tie you guys up. Welcome back to No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. I'm Tim. And we've got a really good one for you today. I know I say that every week, but it's actually true this week. If you've ever flown before, if you've ever considered flying, if you've ever looked at an airplane, if you ever watched the movie Airplane, you're going to enjoy this one because we have a real life flight attendant with us today. Betty has been a flight attendant for quite some time. She's the host of the popular podcast, Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. She's very familiar with the jobs, Dirty Secrets, and she's here to share some of those dirty secrets with us. It's kind of funny as travelers flight attendants are like fixtures of our world and they are these like mysterious people who always say and do the right things but as we learned from betty that is not always true behind the scenes flight attendants to me are these people that they're like a shell that you want to crack but you can't but you know they have an amazing life and you just want to hear about it but i've never actually been good friends with a flight attendant and it kind of goes in with the, booking this episode took forever because Uh, Evan was in touch with multiple flight attendants who ghosted, didn't want to open up, this and that, but ended up working out perfectly because Betty comes on and just broke everything down and shares all the stories that we ever wanted to hear anyway. So I'm glad we got her and not any of the others.
1: So I was at the airport and uh, just walking through the concourse and I'm thinking, oh, that's a cute emotional support dog. And then all of a sudden that dog is behind its owner's uh, Sort of half squats and poops. And then they're walking and the dog's still walking and it poops and it poops. (laughs) I'm thinking, okay, the dog is just pooping all over the tile at the airport. And then finally, um, the owners realized that the dog had been uh, laying little gifts (laughs) as it walked. uh, That They they did come back and clean it up to their credit. But uh, I thought dogs were supposed to like to poop on grass. Well, I guess... Tile is airport grass. So on my trip to the Turks and Caicos, I uh, decided to go parasailing. I've never been. Thought maybe I could use it uh, as my picture for my Christmas card. Because I really didn't do much this year except for paint and move. (laughs) It wasn't a terribly exciting travel year. Uh, Go figure. So um, I decided to go parasailing. It was a little scary. Uh... Uh, It was a really windy day and it was like jerking around (laughs) or maybe I'm just old. Anyway, uh, the most exciting thing about the parasailing is I had read before I went to the Turks and Caicos. I was just doing some reading, some research, and uh, I read about this famous dolphin named Jojo. And uh, the, there's all these YouTube videos, there was even a documentary, it's like a really friendly wild dolphin, and it has this dog friend, and the dog goes and swims with the dolphin, and uh, it was just like, wow, I, I'd like to meet Jojo, the famous dolphin. <laughs> so as soon as we're out on the boat, here comes a dolphin right up by the boat, and the boat operator was like, Jojo! it's Jojo. And I was like, it's Jojo. Jojo. Hi, Jojo. And Jojo was being friendly and coming out of the water and flipping, you know, its tail. And it was like, I got to meet Jojo. (laughs) I don't have to go parasailing now because I got to meet Jojo. And I was taking pictures, and then, you know, I go up on the parasail, and you go up really high. I wasn't so sure about the equipment or the operators, and um, but JoJo was by the boat the whole time, so it was really beautiful with that really clear water, looking down at the boat, and there's JoJo! <laughs> I couldn't wait to get back down so I could see JoJo! <laughs> so uh, later on that day, I was on kind of a high, and I was in this convenience store in my mask, and uh, I was like, uh... uh I I met Jojo today, and they were like, you met Jojo? And uh, other people in the store were like, you got to meet Jojo? And I'm like, yeah, I got to meet Jojo! (laughs) So the next day, when I was taking a taxi over to the reef, I was saying to the guy, uh, uh, he was a guy in his like 50s, and I was like, I got to meet Jojo! (laughs) And he was like, well, you probably got to meet a Jojo. And it was like, Wah, wah, wah. He's like, well, the American guy who was real friendly and was always swimming with JoJo. Um, uh, that was in 1994, and I was like, wah, wah, wah. and he said, and now like every boat operator calls every dolphin JoJo, and I was like, okay, well, I got to meet uh JoJo. That's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with the Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world, you and me and my big giant frickin' face together. Thanks, bye. I'm on a plane. Oh, and see my girl. I'm so far
0: away. I have to fly Fooscler.